Hey, if you guys have been with us, you know we've been in our series, Union, Communion, and Partnership. I've been on for the last few weeks, but today you are in for a treat. Uh, as Clarence Hill is going to be sharing with us, I'm going to get you. I'm going to let you stand up and give him a real ovation here, in just a minute. But Clarence and Alicia are dear friends of Laura and I. They lead Antioch Norman, uh, and I said in the first service, our Antioch Church in Norman, but we are also their Antioch Church in Waco. Uh, it is the Antioch family in the United States and around the world. For those who uh, keep up with things, we have roughly 50 churches in the U.S. and 100 and plus locations in 45 countries, and it's an extended family. So when you're a part of this family, we uh, have uh, our friends and brothers and sisters serving all over the world, and Norman, Oklahoma is one of those beautiful places in the earth. And uh, Clarence and Alicia carry a message of unity. They do that with marriages. They do that with families. They do that with cities, um, from everything from dealing with race to divisions in businesses to wherever It's just a beautiful grace on their lives, and we're privileged to have Clarence come and share with us. But I want to say one other thing before he comes, is that, you know, in in our lifetimes, uh, along the way, God brings covenant family, people that we're in it with for life until we see Jesus face to face. And it's a privilege for Laura and I to be covenant family with these guys, not just friends, not just coworkers. And so... uh, uh, I want you to welcome uh, uh, our family member, uh, Clarence Hill, as he comes and shares. Come on, everybody, stand up. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you all. Can we give a hand? This is my wife, Alicia, here. It's so good to have my wife here with me. Well... I was told we're talking about unity. Is that right? We're from Norman, Oklahoma, so I'm just going to test you out real quick from the start. Boomer. Just checking, just checking, just checking. I I just needed to know which scriptures to start with. That's all. So we need to repent first or we just need to get into the riches of his glorious word. I, I I don't know about you, but what'd you say? I need, oh, great, great, great. I'm going to give you that one. Oh, my goodness. What was I talking about? Hey, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know about you, but can we give a hand for that beautiful song that was written? This, it, it, embodies, it embodies what the Father is doing. And Jesus said that I only do what I see my Father doing. And man, if we can ever catch what God is up to in our personal lives, catch what God is up to when things are hard and it's hard to see our way forward and we can catch God is in this now. It just doesn't matter whether you have resources or you don't. It doesn't matter if people are cheering for you or if they're not cheering for you. If you know that God is present, you can keep right on moving forward with his plans. Amen. Amen. And what if, what if, what if This word on unity is right on time. What if God has chosen our generation to see unity in the body of Christ in in beautiful ways? And and it, it blows my mind when I think about the privilege of being one of the stewards of a message that's so close to the Father's heart. And today, my prayer for everyone in this room 
especially those of you who think I'm not talking to you. My prayer is that you would catch what's on God's mind. My prayer is that you'll begin to see that you're not an accident in this room, that you're not in this room just because someone has been begging you to come, but God is the detail of his plans in our lives would blow your minds. The, the way that he causes all things to work together for good would just, it, once you begin to see it, you're on the floor worshiping God. Once you begin to understand that even before you said yes, even before I said yes to Jesus, he was setting up his story. And granted, you know, when we read the scripture that says that he's, he brings forth beauty from ashes, how many know we just like the beauty side of that story? Amen? <laughs> we don't like the ashes side of the story. But I need you to know that the ashes will show his glory through your life. The ashes where relationships have been broken, where you've gone through challenging times, where maybe you are carrying a burden on yourself and you're saying, I'm the one that failed my family. I'm the one that failed my friends. Or I made a bad decision, and now I'm on God's B team. God doesn't have B teams. Amen? How can someone with foreknowledge have B teams? Just, just pause. I'm sorry for going deep on you theologically right now, but how can someone who knew, he knows Psalm 139, he knows the thoughts before they come into your head. And in his mercy and grace, there are many of you in this room today where you're going to catch a thought that God had ordained for you to receive because he's going to pour, his grace is poured out for his purposes in your life. My story did not start with me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can I tell you something? And your story did not start with you. That's why prayer is so powerful. I want to ask you, are you praying somebody into the kingdom right now? Anybody in this room, are you praying somebody into the kingdom right now? Because someone's helping to open the door so God's plans can be poured out in your life. I personally was called into this conversation on unity. When I first heard the call, comically, I thought that is the softest calling I have ever heard in my life. A guy prophesied to me at the back of the church and he said, Clarence, God's going to use you. I'm in my early 20s to bring unity in the body of Christ. And I'm picturing folks singing We Are the World and Kumbaya. I'm like, what kind of calling is that? And man, when I started walking the path to get prepared, I'm like, oh, <laughs> no wonder uh, you called me early because this is not easy. How many know unity is not always easy? Amen? It's not always easy. But that's why we want to talk today because I read a Bible verse that says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, First Peter 4, as though some strange thing happened to you. I think unity for all of us is going to be easier after today once we simply say that it's not a paved road. It's not easy. Challenges are a part of 
bringing about the unity of the body in Christ Jesus. That's just part of the story. Can I share with you some of my own personal story today? I want to read to you Philippians chapter 3 and uh, share a little bit of my story with you. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Let me find it here real fast. This is Paul. And I would almost bleed these words into a moment where he's, he's writing, but he's also sharing what his personal worship looks like. Because he's saying what he wants. And I know for some people, it's like, okay, get done with worship so we can just hear the word. But God listens to our worship. And when we speak these things, we are aligning our hearts and our minds with what life is all about. We're, we're prioritizing. God, I want you more than anything. You're more precious than silver and gold. God, I want to be one. And here in Philippians 3, we find Paul talking about things that he had settled on. I want to start in verse 10. Paul says, I, I want to know Christ. I, I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And, and if, if you're like, hey, oh, we got to go to church. No, somebody's, you have to say it. I want to know Christ. I want to experience. Did you know that the stories of those in scriptures are not just so that we can create beautiful stained glass windows. They are just signs for you to understand this is how God is willing to know you. So that you and I can encounter God. And so that when I see that God restores families, I can look at my family and see that story. So can I, can I rewind just for a second? My name is Clarence Hill Jr. So my father's name is Clarence Hill Sr. And my father was saved on July 4th, 1966. He came to Christ and I am the son of a third marriage. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of speaking at a corporation. You know, unity is not just for the church. It just works everywhere. So I was speaking for a pretty large oil company in the, in the, uh, in the country. And they said, well, you want to come to Denver or to Houston? I'm like, oh, thank you. I'm, let's do it in Houston because I have two older sisters that I didn't grow, grow up with, and they live there. And they're awesome. And I can tell them, my sisters, because we all act the same. We're all bullets. We're all forceful, and as soon as I come in the presence of my sisters, Jimmy, you would love it if you got to come and have lunch with me because they always start by expressing dominance. <laughs> I mean, this, I didn't even get to tell my wife about this one, but we were getting ready to, to leave after a nice big dinner. I said, hey, y'all, because I'm not around them much. I'm like, just tell me whatever restaurant y'all want to go to. Little brother, I have to call myself little brother. Little brother is coming in town because his dominance must be expressed first because we didn't grow up together. They need to know that they have their place in the family. And I need to tell them that I, I honor them so I am little brother with them. So dinner's over. The check comes to me. I look at it. I play it cool like I can handle this. <laughs> so I said, this is equal to the last seven Christmases that we didn't have together. <laughs> I pay the bill. And then my sister, Diane, she said to me, y'all, I'm 50 years old. 
Do y'all need to see my driver's license? Diane looked at me and she said, go use the restroom before we have to leave. (laughs) How many know God is restoring family and relationships? (laughs) He's giving big sisters the opportunity to say things they didn't get to say because we didn't grow up together. My goodness. I looked across, I said, did you just tell me to go use the restroom before we leave? Boy, we rolled and laughed and laughed and laughed because God's into unity. He's into beauty. We didn't grow up together. We act the same. We act just like my my dad. We're all pushy. We're all drivers. We all have that apostolic pioneering behavior on us. Just look out if one of us walks in the room. You know what I'm saying? And now, you know, these are my two older sisters I didn't grow up with. And I'm sharing some of my story because I want you to know that God brings beauty from ashes. He brings beauty from ashes. And, uh, you know, we could live in the ashes. And, and how many have ever tried to clean ashes before? It, I mean, you, you, if, if you stay clean, you, you, are, you are professional. You have done well because there's something about ashes. Sticks on you, gets on your hands, gets on your pants. You know, you want like a long shovel to try to clean it out. You, you just can't stay clean dealing with ashes. But, but some of us, you live in the ashes and God is inviting you into his story and into the beauty. Amen? I wasn't there to let them know who I was. I thought it was the funnest thing in the world. There was like this vibe sitting at the table of, man, let's f- feel what it's like to laugh and be siblings. And here are these perfect strangers, and we're talking of each other in the moment when we have the exact same thought and say the exact same thing. Three different mothers. Three different mothers. And we're talking over each other, saying the same thing, going after one of our siblings. And it was beautiful. First time my wife came and played board games with the hills, she, she, she thought we were heathens. <laughs> the competition over a simple checkers game, the level of intensity over just a board game. And, you know, it, it got worse with the next generation. My daughter's going to get me for this, but I have one daughter. Her middle name is short for Nike. You know, Nike means to conquer. Her name is Nicole. And in and, and all her life, we couldn't get her to understand that a board game was for family connection time. <laughs> we're like, we're here, we're trying to unify, sweetheart. We play this game on Friday night, you know. And so at the end of the game, we do understand that there's only one person that can get first place. But that's the way Navy SEALs think. And right now, you don't have to think that way, sweetheart. Because if it even looked like she was getting second place, she could not find the Holy Ghost at the table to put a smile <laughs> on her face. She, she just couldn't. She couldn't understand it. This, this is unity, sweetie. Can you cheer for someone? There was no chip in her mind that comprehended second place. Y'all, I'll share with you just a little bit about family. Because I'm aware that we are probably 60 years out from when it was normal in this land to have healthy family. And for most of us, our pain points, mine included, are right in the family spaces. 
And now we're up here telling you and preaching and writing songs about unity and walking as one. And we want to scream amen. And then it's almost like some of the things that are disturbing us, it's not just in our mind, it feels like it's living in our skin because it's like how I want to do this, but it seems like there's something that's incomplete that won't allow it. And that's where we've got to talk about the grace of God, the beauty of his way and his plan. So I want to take you to the end of the story from the very beginning so that everything I say can drive towards, Clarence, where are you going with these ideas? Why are you saying these things to us? I want to get to the end of the story. Uh, Let me finish Philippians 3, and then we're going to turn to the Old Testament real fast. Verse 10 says, uh, Philippians chapter 3, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. How many of you all have that promise on your refrigerator at home? I want to suffer with him. What? what? It's in the Bible. What's up? Oh, sorry. Okay. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Recognize we're listening to someone who's mature. And I need to just put that out there. Because we, we joke about it, but why did he say it? I mean, he said it right after he said, I want to know Christ. But he also said, I have a desire to suffer with him. This is a mature person talking. What if he discovered that something comes out of suffering? What if he discovered that that's actually when there's spaces of suffering, that maybe there's something beautiful behind it that God is ready to bring out? Maybe some of the challenges or the fact that we may be one of the most challenged generations concerning relationships that's ever lived, maybe if Paul was looking at it, he'd be turning cartwheels because maybe he would be like, if you've got that level of suffering in relationships, then the glory and the grace that is waiting to come through you is beyond what you can comprehend. Maybe our lens is immature. Maybe we're thinking like babies. Maybe we're seeing the world like a bunch of kids that just want everything to be perfect. I ask my kids sometimes, jokingly, I said, you know, like dinner time's coming around. I'm like, hey, you want some ice cream right now? Yes, daddy, yes. I'm like, well, you ain't getting none. And that's why you need parents. You're getting some food first. And they, they just laugh. Because, you know, we, we need ice cream for, the, you know, the vegetable, ice cream for the bread, ice cream for the meat. And it'd just be different flavors if you ask a child to lead. And maybe the church has a higher place of maturity that we're supposed to walk in. And maybe the reason why unity is not making sense is because we don't think maturely with the scriptures. Maybe we just have a bunch of people that are super sensitive. Look, 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 look. If you feel pain and you signed up for boot camp, are you shocked? No, if you feel pain and you signed up for a boot camp to lose weight 
and you are sweating. Your legs don't want to move anymore. You're looking in the mirror, wishing you were smaller than you were, but you just know if I do this, then keep going and everything's burning. Are you shocked at the pain? No. Maybe the, the shock of suffering and the shock of pain is the voice of immaturity. It's the lens of immaturity. And maybe there's something beautiful to see if we can get up the mountain with God. Like he said to John in Revelation, he said, come up higher. Come up higher. Come up higher. Come up higher so you can see. A few weeks ago, I just, I was, I was in Colorado. And that's this part with some, it's like a group of 30 city transformation leaders and they're sharing ideas and stuff like that. And I'm running to these meetings in between on Zoom and stuff. And I was like, nope, I'm getting me one afternoon just to walk up. And I walk up the side of the mountain just to get some quiet time. And I have once a week where it's part of my life and my schedule. Friends, some of us are too busy to know what's on God's mind. Some of you, the very thing you need to see, the glorious purposes of God, he's not holding them back. You don't know when to turn right or turn left because your world is too busy. You want to know the secret of prayer? Not quality, quantity first. Then get the quality. Okay, I'm let y'all write that down. I told, I told them last service, I said, don't take notes, because I'm tired of telling people to take notes, because I, I say take notes, and everybody just looks at me like this. So I said, okay, tattoo this next statement on your hand next to service. Oh, oh amen, amen. I'm like, I got a lot to say. You're going to look funny after I get done preaching. But Okay. That's my introduction. Okay, I want to know Christ and experience that mighty, the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. I'm not asking you to confess that right now, but I do want you to pray a little prayer under your breath and say, God, if, if, if I'm supposed to be thinking like Paul, I want to think like this. Because see, if I ask you to confess it right now, it may sound morbid. It doesn't make sense to your brain. But maybe just maybe Paul saw something and understood some principles. He said, I want to share in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, and looking forward to what lies ahead. Amen. Amen. Will y'all help me preach just for one second? I need you to look at someone right next to you and say, forget the past. Just tell them, just, just forget the past. Forget the past. You've actually have to willingly let some things go. Willingly let some things go. Reach. The energy you're using to hold to the past is stopping you from looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach 
to the, I press on to the end of the race, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So I grew up reading King James and my father taught in King James and he could roll off scriptures like that. And I would see him just close his Bible during Bible study and he would say, all right, does anyone have any questions? And I would see the spirit of God just bring answers through him. And I would see it was God because I know he wasn't prepared. He didn't have notes in front of him. And, and the answers were just phenomenal. And I'm like 10, 11, 12 years old seeing this happen. And I wanted to have that same gift in my life. I don't know if you know this, but when you are receiving and God has poured out his spirit or put a grace on someone's life, you can whisper to God and say, God, I want that. Did you, did you know you can say that? Do you know that your whole walk with God is driven by hunger? Uh, did, did you know that? No, 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 pastor. Come on, pastor. What, what are you preaching on today? Oh, I've heard that verse before. Oh, that's a pretty neat twist. No, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want from God? What are you hungering for? Because if you hunger, then you begin to discover what he has. Small hunger, small vision. Mm. Amen? So in the King James, this scripture actually says, you know, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to the things which are before me, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The high calling. And so I went and I prayed and I was like, Lord, what, what is the high calling? So the next thing I looked up was a, a, a word with high in it. And so it was high priest. Let me show you something. Exodus chapter 39, I want to share with you what was on the breastplate of the high priest. We're talking about unity today, and I want you to to see this beautiful thing. I'm like, oh my goodness, if there's a high calling, it's like you can answer God at different levels. And I'm like, okay, that biblically makes sense. It's verified in the word. The parable of the sower or the farmer is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So you can verify Mark chapter 4. Luke chapter 8, Matthew chapter 13. By the way, I prayed that God would give me the same grace my father had. He said, well, you're not looking in your Bible. I know I'm not because I wanted what my dad had. And, when, and, and so there, there's, there's levels. So there's like a high calling. And in that parable of the farmer, it said there's different kinds of ground. Some ground can yield 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. And God's not sitting there saying that, well, some of you have a hundredfold ground, some have sixtyfold. He says, no, if you will tend your garden at a hundredfold level, you can have a hundredfold fruit. If you tend it at a sixtyfold level, you have sixtyfold fruit. God's not going to judge you because your spouse wants to watch TV all day long and you're hungry for God. You can stay in it. He's just like, don't break covenant. Amen. Amen. Just don't get prideful and act like you're better than everybody else in the body of Christ because you got hundredfold hunger and others don't. But the, the offer is open to everybody. Amen. The seed of the word is the same seed of the word that came to Paul, to Peter, and to you. The question is the garden. Are you going to tend your garden? Are you going to follow like Peter did? Are you going to not care about your rep- reputation? Are you, you going to not care who's looking at you when you go up to the altar? Are you just going to be hungry for God? Amen? 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 Because why? Why? We're, 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 we're like decades into the devastation of the family. The most basic obedience in the word of God. 
The most basic obedience is love your brothers and sisters. Yeah, in the church, but you're not going to go home and hate your siblings and try to say you love God. Well, my, my siblings don't serve God. Great. I want to suffer with Christ. Do you see it now? We want to run from all pain and find the Christian ice cream line. That's what we're looking for. Amen? We don't want to pass over the bitter herbs. You know, we, we don't want to eat the bitter herbs. But y'all, that's where the maturity is. And if we can get more mature ones in the body, if we can get more mature ones, you will open the door for more families and households to be saved. I feel like I got a, a monsoon and a Nile River trying to come through a creek right now. Come on, y'all. Help me, somebody. God is wanting to do something, and he has chosen us to do it. It's our generation, and it's our time. Amen? And there's more than I even know that I can tell you right now. Sometimes I can just feel him wanting to say more than I can even have brain capacity to even try to cast a drop. And you've got to know that's his thoughts towards you. If you don't believe me, read Psalm 139. He says, how precious are your thoughts towards me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Every individual. God has more thoughts towards you than sand on the seashore. Now, how much do you have? That much? Are you going to back buy a pickup truck and say, look, I, w- I want to know who I am. And, and here's why. Here's why. You've got to know the generation you're living in because the generation, our generation, is pain-driven. Every, everything we're, most of what we're doing is to try to out-comfort ourselves to, to cover up for areas of pain. Just, just running as far from pain as we possibly can. But let me explain what God shared with me about the high calling. There was a, a priest that was higher than the other priest, and he was called the high priest. And I'm going to share with you the garment that he wore. Verse 8 of Exodus 39, Bezalel made the chest piece with great skill and care. He made it to match the ephod using finely woven linen embroidered with gold and with blue. This is real gold, by the way. Purple and scarlet thread. He made the chest piece of a single piece of cloth folded to form a pouch nine inches square. If you wondered whether or not God has detail, here's your answer. They mounted four rows of gemstones, one, two, three, four rows on it. The first row contained a red carnaline, a pale green peridot, and an emerald. The second row contained a, a turquoise a blue lapis lazuli and a white moonstone. The third row contained an orange jacinth, an agate, and a purple amethyst. The fourth row contained a blue-green beryl, an onyx, and a green jasper. All these stones were set in gold filigree. Each stone represented one of the 12 sons, tribes, families, of Israel. And the name of that tribe was engraved on 
each stone like a seal. Look at the symbolism and the prophetic picture of the priesthood. This is the high priest, because you remember I was asking about the high calling. Clarence, if you want to have a high calling, then the Father's looking for those who put on their high priest robes that Jesus has actually given to everybody, not just pastors and leaders. Put a high priest robe on that just doesn't have the family members you like. Did did y'all catch that? Did I say that too fast? (laughs) Boy, if we could just see in the spirit right now what everybody's outfit looked like for real. Some people will have like one big rock sitting over here and a mud stain going across. And God's like, I want to change your garments today. Can he change your garments today? Anybody want God to change your garments today? You want to ignore all of the feelings that are prophesying to you? You want to be above all of the pain and the jealousies and the strife and the division and things that came before you were even born? You want to live above those? Put your robe on. And say, God, whatever's on your heart, so here's what he's doing. All of the nations are on the Father's heart. And so we're supposed to pray Matthew 6, which says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what God was saying was, all these tribes, the whole family is on my heart in heaven so if you're going to be my high priest, then you have to represent what I'm doing up here. I'm always carrying my whole family, whether they're acting right or not. And when they are not acting right, that just tells me it's time to take off my robe, put on skin, die on the cross so that the blood can be shed for their sins. But rejecting them is not an option. I need someone to pray and be going through marriage issues and say, I don't care how much my spouse is acting up right now, I will not remove the stone. And I will put my garments on every morning, like it or not. That's called maturity. God, I did my best with my children. Or God, I'm trying to serve God and my parents don't serve the Lord and they're making it hard on me. Keep the relationships over your heart. Keep God's thoughts as your thoughts and not living for yourself and your feelings and you will be a part of those mature ones that begin to manifest unity in the earth like never before. Anybody signing up for the high calling this morning? I want to read a few scriptures and is this helping anyone this morning? Amen. I just love peering into God's thoughts and his plans. Ephesians 4, verse 1, Therefore I, prisoner, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. So live in such a way that you put your priest's garments on every morning. Don't let anybody's behavior, don't be reactive to the flesh because you're not here to manifest the will of the devil and of schism, you're here to manifest the will of God. Don't let yourself yield to the temptation to put on the devil's garments of strife. Well, I'm just going to do this the way I want to, and you guys go do what you want. Are there seasons 
where you can't reach someone's heart? If I said no, that's that fake unity that will get us nowhere. Amen? But are there seasons where, man, the gemstones hurt? Or to keep someone over your heart seems hard. But, man, if we can get to death to self, that's what Paul was praying. If we can empty out and let go and say, I'm not carrying these garments because of me. I'm carrying these garments because he kept me on his stone when I didn't deserve it. So I'm keeping you on my heart when you don't deserve it. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Every root of bitterness we wrestle with is when we have gone blind to our own need. Every time we're wrestling with wanting to forgive someone, we have just forgotten the blood of Jesus towards us. So when Paul was praying, I want to suffer with him, he's saying, the more this happens to me, the more I can worship God for real for what he went through on the cross. The more real it becomes when I have to get down and bow down and think, oh my, I feel like my whole family has betrayed me. God, I feel like someone else who I was supposed to trust in has hurt me and I've lost confidence. Keep your robe on, amen. That's what it's for. He said, I want to raise you up so you can be a priest who is faithful to their duties day in and day out. You can't do it in your flesh. It's by the grace of God. So he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I hope you don't hear me asking you to do this. I hope you know this is God. You've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Verse 2, I love this posture. Always be humble and gentle is simply saying, you know something? There's a conflict here. And I'm not going in assuming that you're wrong and I'm right. Humble and gentle says, just let, just let, just let's, let's hear the whole thing and then let's wait on God. Let's, let's hear how God is going to direct us. Always be humble and gentle. Not harsh. Not coming after people, not trying to force things when it's not time to force things, but humble and gentle, just just there, just faithful. And, and why do we have to go over these scriptures? Because we're in the broken family era, but we're in the redeeming of the family era. Did you, did, did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? I explained to you what you can see with your natural eye, but then I explained what's happening in the spirit. I said, yes, we're in the broken family era, but we're in the redemption of the family era. I'm so glad Clarence Hill Sr., with everything he knew to do, recognized that he was in the redemption of the family era. He would have loved to have a big church. He would have loved to do things that he sees me doing right now. But now he celebrates through his seed. The Lord told him, I just need you to be faithful over your children. That was his assignment. Because, see, God had to take him on a different road because, see, he quit his career and everything when he was about 20 years old because his father walked out on the family. So back in that day, the oldest son took over, but his older brother could not do it. He's a second born because his older brother, my uncle, had mental illness. And so he quit his, goes back to St. Louis to take care and help the family. And so he sacrifices 
And now the most he can reach, God knows the best thing he can do at that point in his life, so into your children. And then comes Clarence. Now Clarence is born in a, 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 a culture where most of the time when we read the Bible, we're reading it about me, myself, and I, and what God is doing in my life. And so God had to take me on a road to where, you know, there was a day where my dad, now we were headbutting over scripture. We're headbutting over doctrine and stuff. I'm like, dad. Come on, I, I think we we got to go a different direction here. I, I I think there's something else. And boy, when when that didn't land well, I I, I didn't know what was going to happen. But then I began to discover that in the kingdom there are walls, there are boundaries, there are some things that God is like. I don't care how the argument went. All I need to know, Clarence, is at the end of that conversation, did you honor your father? He he didn't he, did, he didn't care what. I was landing on because what eventually happened after 20 years, what eventually happened was he's like, oh, my goodness, I now see what God was doing through you. I now rejoice in what God was doing. But, boy, my little puny little hurt soul, feeling so unloved, Father, how could you see me this way? I'm your number one son. I'm cleaning the church while you're preparing your messages. I've always been there for you. How could you think I'm going to forsake you right now? How could you think I'm not carrying the calling with you? God knew I needed to be stronger, but there was a limit. Clarence Jr., you can whine all you want to, but at the end of that conversation, don't break honor. Don't break honor. See, people that make it to the top of Mount Unity, which is where I'm inviting every one of us, something that's closest to the heart of God, you have limits. Whether your brain or your feeling tells you to do something different, you're not budging. Okay, Clarence, get mad at your wife. Oh, sorry. Not an option. Clarence. Say something negative about your children in public. Nope, not an option. Clarence, dishonor your father or your mother. Not an option. See, there's lines. And our generation has grown up where people are literally getting married, saying to themselves, I hope we last three to five years. And, 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 and some even have conversations when they get married. Some, I don't know if y'all know this, but they, they, they feel like they're being mature about the situation. They're, they're talking to one another. They're saying, hey, um, if this doesn't work out in five to seven years, it's not a covenant, friend. The, the, there's no if in the covenant, friend. The covenant says the way we get out of this is a funeral. I'm sorry for Christmas. It's a home-going celebration. How about that? Is that better? (laughs) But we live in a generation that doesn't know that there was a day, even when I was a child, where there were only one or two kids in my class that weren't in a two-parent home. Today, it's flipped. And now we're inviting you to God's scripture that says that not only do I want you to walk as one with your family, I need you to walk as one with your church. 
and your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I need you to be a new community. Let, can I tell you why? Since my time has run out. Here, here, here's why. Because all of us, I said us, and I'm not just saying it to relate. All of us come out of this broken world of broken relationships, temporary relationships, and quick covenant cutting. And now we're supposed to be the house of God. Do you know why I'm standing here before you right now? Because my father, whose father walked out on him, who got saved in the middle of his second marriage, lost his second marriage. I grew up under the third marriage. He ran into the house of God. And all of a sudden, he was surrounded by a bunch of families that wouldn't break covenant. Now that he was in the house of God, he saw a father and a son. He got to see three generations enjoying one another. See, see, I know a lot of us today only come to church 30 to 50% of the time, but it's not just for you to be a part of the community. I'm I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching too long for some of you all. I'm trying to change the whole trajectory of your life so you can understand what God is up to. Your consistency is not just for you. If people can't come to the gathering of the body and catch a glimpse of what the beauty of his glory looks like, where else are they going to see it? Like it or not, but Christ had to come and be made flesh. We need three healthy generations of family made flesh so I can see it. And you know what's sad? A lot of your schooling, a lot of the stuff you watch on TV is training you not to celebrate that healthy family, but to be jealous of them. Spirit of division, y'all. Can I just say I love you? Can I just say I love you? I love you, I love you. And uh, give me three minutes and we'll, we'll land. We'll land. Psalm 11, verse 3. If the foundations are, the, are destroyed, what can the righteous do? My invitation, God's invitation, I believe, for everybody in this room, is who will climb the mountain with God? Who will say, I'm putting on the unity of the body and I'm praying for whatever God wants in heaven, I will help him carry it out in the earth. In my dorm room, on my campus, when I see my brothers and sisters in Christ on the campus and they're breaching friendships and they're just moving to the next, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, You two, let's come together. (laughs) Yeah. And let's talk. You might not know it, but that's the first time anyone stopped them from responding to their emotions, dumping a relationship and trying again. Dump and go, dump and go, dump and go. Did Christ dump and go us? So today we choose to take our cross and follow Jesus. Family, I believe that right here in this house, right here on that campus at Baylor, right here in these spaces in your families, you are the one called to carry unity. 
I don't care how chaotic it gets in your family. I just want you to pray with Paul. Father, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. I want to suffer with you. Thank you for this opportunity to feel the pain of these divides where there seems to be no answer and know that it's your blood and your cross that stands in the gap right now to give grace to both sides to heal again. God, I'm praying that you bring these two together. I'm praying that you heal every breach in my family line. And I'm going to create space for your spirit to move in the church. Every revival, every move of God, the move of God in Acts, it starts with them being in one accord and in one place. If I can find some priests in this room, you will see a move of God in your family. Let me close with this story. When I married my wife, she did not come from a background that knew Christ. Came from a very broken church background. And I'm being very discreet when I tell this story. Needless to say, they did not trust me. When she quit her job, that she was the first to go to college out of her family. Now she quits her job. She's met this Bible man. And she was a Bible woman, but now it was my fault. She quit her job, but so it looked like here I come, and they're like, oh, he's about to make her barefoot and pregnant. <laughs> now the babies start coming. Boop, bop, bop, beep, rup. Yeah, and now we got four babies, and now it's like, mm-hmm, told you. Now if something happens, you hear the fear. If something happens, how's she going to take care of themselves? So the fear, it's not the glory of four beautiful babies. The fear is what if he leaves her? They didn't trust me for 14 years. Then one day we get there. And this is why we have to be patient as priests. God was working on their lives. And they said, Clarence, would you do a Bible study for us? The aunt that had the power to pull brings everybody into a room. We sit down. And I start sharing a Bible study with them. All of a sudden, my eyes open. I start getting words of knowledge. And the aunts start getting healed right in the room. Are, are, you, are you hearing me? But did you hear the 14 years part? Would you stand? There's an invitation. Your family needs you. And you might be saying right now, I need help. I, I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. And in just a few minutes, we're going to have the ministry. The ministry team, you can come on up. And you may be saying, I'm struggling this, this morning myself. There's a breach in my life. Uh, I don't want you to put any words in my mouth. Many of you have been through some very hard things that you never should have experienced. But where the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. He's actually going to show his glory through your life. Father, I thank you this morning. That right now, God, would you just raise up right in this room priests that will steward their families, priests on every floor in every dorm room on the campuses, God. Would you raise up priests amongst friends, God, that will continue to pray both sides and not choose sides, but choose you and say like the angel, whose side are you on? Neither. God, would you strengthen those in this room who know that they're called to such a high calling God, would you just begin to breathe on them right now? I'm seeing ministries and callings laid down because of people who are tired 
of being the reconciler. It's like you're tired of being the one that brings the family together. You're tired of being the one that keeps telling people to stop going bitter. And God, we just thank you right now. Today is your day to sense God guarding your hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, what a far-reaching move of your spirit is happening right now in the midst, God. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Bones are coming together. Relationships are coming back together. Situations are turning around. God, I just hear God offering an opportunity right now for every place where your heart has grown cold and bitter. You can just start coming up too, by the way. If your heart has grown cold and bitter and you know I'm, I'm iced over in a relationship, there's a breakthrough waiting for you. Thank you, Jesus. You start coming for prayer. Could be, I thought in my mind as he was praying, fear, if I make myself vulnerable again, will I be left? If I make myself vulnerable again, if I believe again in love, if I believe again that somebody will care for me, I'll be left again. And the Lord's inviting you to come and trust him. Entrust him. He will never leave you or forsake you. Guaranteed. And then as we lean in to love one another, God will provide covenant family and covenant friends. That's what Laura and I experienced with Clarence and Alicia. Again, if you have a need physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, come for prayer. We've got people up there and down here. If there's anything tugging in your heart, well, that'd be embarrassing if I go to the front or whatever. We just encourage you to take a step of faith. If you feel a little awkward about it, get a friend to come with you. Um, we got a couple more things we're going to do. Just stay with me here. If you're a parent and you dropped your kids off, if one of the parents can slip out and go get the kiddos, we're going to do one more song here and let God seal his work in our hearts. But I want to do two, two other prayers. You're either coming for prayer, you're a parent going, or you're hanging with me. Just a few more minutes. Hang with me, you guys. We're almost finished. Is If you feel called to be a reconciler, if you say, man, God's put it on my heart to reconcile people in the workplace, in the neighborhood, among the churches in Waco, in my family, if you feel called to be a reconciler, would you just boldly raise your hand? I know we're all called by God, but if you feel specifically, God's put it on my heart, wherever I am, to be a reconciler. I want to pray for you right now. And as I pray this prayer, if you just put a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you and pray for the person on your right or your left, and then I'm going to pray for all these raising their hands. God, thank you that you've given us the ministry of reconciliation. And then you raised up men and women to be the literally hands and feet. And these men and women that are raising their hands right now, I pray, God, would you pour out grace and anointing and power on their lives today and favor on their lives. May you put favor on their lives that as they open their mouth and walk into that space or place of service, that they would have great favor this week. It'd be a fresh week of breakthrough so that the sick can be healed and the hearts can be restored and family can be renewed. Lord, we're trusting you for that right now. Now, as we're praying for one another, you're also hearing the sound of my voice. You're watching online and you don't know Jesus. I want to take you to him right now. If that's the greatest reconciliation between you and God, if you need Jesus or if you're a prodigal in the sense of you've known him, but you need to come back, just pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, if you need Jesus, Lord Jesus, I need you. Whether you're coming back or the first time, 
forgive me of my sins. Just be honest with him right now. I believe you died on the cross for me. Just pray it with me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I give my life to you. I come back to you. I give my life to you for the first time. I am yours. I am yours. I give my heart to you. Lord, every person who's calling on your name right now, I proclaim them free from the power of sin and death because your love is greater than our sin. And as we come to you, God, you forgive and cleanse and heal and bring us close to your heart. Thank you, Lord, for everyone calling on your name. God's going to sing this chorus and seal the word that God's doing in our heart. And then Susan will come and close us in just a moment.